What's going on, everybody? This is Carleon Wilson, and you're listening to the Hyphen Podcast. Today, we are live at Family Camp SoCal 2019. Uh, we have a very, very special and distinguished guest, uh, great legacy, uh, Pastor Jerry Jones. And so today, we're going to do an interview with him, and then we're going to ask him some questions um, about ministry, because um, we know that is one of his, uh, one of the things he talks about a lot, and uh, we want to get his you know, his, his advice and his heart on that. Um, first thing first, let's talk about you. Uh, where are you born? Where are you from? What What's your home church? Thank oh. you very much. It's good to be here. I appreciate the invitation. Of course. And of course, to be part of what's happening in SoCal is always very exciting. And particularly this particular group of folks, the, uh, the uh, in-between agers, I suppose you might say. Yes, sir. But uh, hyphen is a great age and a, a, a age where God can use people to accomplish his purpose when life is forming and decisions are being made. It's, it's a time that uh, if you read through scriptures, you find so many of the great leaders of the Bible were in this age area when they made the decisions that set the course of their lives. And so right. I'm excited wow. to be here and be part of it. Thank you. I was born in... Um, South Central Mississippi. Wow. Um, uh, my my mother's family had lived there for, um, well, almost, uh, I guess, somewhere around 175 years. Oh, wow. And uh, I lost my sound, by the way. Oh. And um, uh, my father's family were from northeast Louisiana. and uh, You can't hear yourself uh, at all? No. Make sure you turn him up just a little bit. What about now? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Now okay. I'm back. Yes. Okay. I had nothing in the headphones. Okay. Okay. Can you, okay, good. All right. So you were talking about um, your, your well, father's I, side. Um, um, then my, my dad was a uh, uh, oil field worker, worked on drilling okay. rigs. And um, when I was still a baby, began to follow the drilling rigs across Louisiana, Texas, and ended up here in California. Okay. And um, my earliest memories uh, are in a little town in central California called Kerman, just out of Fresno. Oh, okay. And um, um, my, my mom had known the Lord, got away from God when she went to college. And uh, I never served the Lord until um, um, just before I was a teenager. But uh, she always saw that my brother and I went to Sunday school, so... We would be, uh, mom would take us and drop us off at the little United Pentecostal Church on Kearney Avenue in Kermit. Or sometimes different church members would pick us up. One of them was Brother Isaac Keyes, who was the town barber. He oh, had wow. two sons that were uh, just a tad older than me, about my older brother's age, Randy and Ricky, and we got to know them as young men. And um, uh, Nate Wilson's out of that church. Gotcha. Before we were there, Paul Price actually pastored that little church at oh, one time. Okay. But um, my mother uh, prayed back through in uh, December of 1962. And then on the fifth day of January of 63, mother suddenly passed away one Saturday afternoon. My father 
remarried and married her sister. So my aunt became my stepmom. I laugh and tell people I'm my own first cousin <laughs> because of that. But my aunt had served the Lord all of her life, mm -hmm. very strong Christian. And she uh, wasn't long. My dad prayed through. During that period of time, we moved to Bakersfield. And we attended uh, Brother Leon Stovall's church. Okay. My Sunday school teacher, youth leader, and choir director was, uh, was um, um, someone you've uh, probably heard of, Brother Ronnie Mullings. Gotcha. Later okay. he became the pastor, and now his son uh, John is pastoring there. Mm -hmm. That's where I was baptized. And then um, when I was almost 13, we moved to, uh, back to Mississippi, Louisiana. And I received the Holy Ghost at Louisiana Youth Camp when I was 13. I always knew I was going to be a preacher. At least I knew there was a call on my life. I didn't want to be. I wanted to be a scientist. That was my oh, wow. dream all my life. I went to college and studied physics, but God had other plans for me, and I accepted my call. And uh, <clears throat> Back in those days, um, there's really only one of two things you could do. You could evangelize or you could pastor. So for right. almost uh, eight years, I uh, evangelized, married my wife, Phyllis, and uh, we evangelized until 1977 when we took a little church in a suburb of New Orleans called Metairie, and we pastored there for eight years. I was elected to go to St. Louis as General Youth Secretary and um, served in that capacity a couple of years, and then General Youth President. And then I ex uh, became pastor of a great church in the St. Louis area in Bridgeton, and pastored there six years and then became general What was the name of that church? It's uh, New Life uh, Center or New Life Church. Now it's called New Life St. Louis. You know what's interesting? I was, I, I was talking to my mom and dad last night about um, some of your legacy. Um, I think when I lived, because I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah, okay. And um, I think when you were there, it, I, I wasn't born yet, so I... I, I got to get this information from my mom and dad. Okay. And they were telling me about all this about all this stuff. And that's so interesting because I grew up in um, in uh, APC, uh, Brother Stephen Williford's church. Yeah. And then I ended up uh, going to school at the New Life Center. They had a school as well. Yes. Uh, the, the Still church. do. My grandson's yes, in that school. Yes, sir. My and son then, graduated oh, from that school. Wow. What was your son's name? Dustin Jones. Dustin Jones. Wow. I think he graduated in 02. Wow. Okay. I think I think I started going there just a little bit after that. Okay, and, I um, was uh, not pastor anymore, but always has been have been connected. Of wow, that's, we attended that's there awesome. when I was in the youth division. Brother wow. Guy Rome was pastor. Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. And now it's uh, Brother Aaron Bachelor is right. pastor now. Doing a wonderful job. Yes, he is. Great, great wonderful man. Great job. man. Yeah, man, that's awesome. Wow, that's <laughs> I did not know that. I, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your ministry. Sure. Uh, so we, we, we sort of talked about, uh, you sort of explained how you went from um, evangelizing and then you started pastoring. Right. Um, what, are, what are some of, the, um, what are some of the, the aspects that you think are essential um, to, to doing minis some, this ministry like this, uh, pastoring, preaching? Sure. What are so, some of the essential things you, you think well, are important? Well, the essential is a call from God. All of God's children have what we've um, 
in recent years, I suppose, the last 10, 15 years, we, we use some expressions that everyone has a call, and that's fine. Everyone has a ministry, and uh, we've always recognized that. Um, but the call to preach is a specialized call. It, yes, isn't, it isn't a call to serve. It isn't a call to be a good Christian or to honor God through career. All those things are wonderful. I, I don't mean they're something not important. Right. I mean that the call to preach, to minister in that capacity is a very special call. And that's the number one. Um, there's, there's a lot of um, angst sometimes over am I called? Uh, am I to be a preacher? How do I know? And that sort of thing. Not, not many have the dramatic uh, vision calls let's say of an Isaiah or a right. Jeremiah right. or a Paul. Of course, Paul would argue he didn't see a vision. He right. actually <laughs> saw the Lord. Right. He, he would argue with you about that. But um, many of us, it's, the, it's, it's, a, it's, it's Elijah's still small voice. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's an urging in the heart. Mm-hmm. But it's nevertheless recognizable and knowable. And... Um, my, what I've experienced through the year, years, not only in my own life, but in the lives of young men, I've had the privilege of pastoring or mentoring. It's not really a question of whether you know you're called. It's accepting that call. That right. To know the will of God is a lot easier Definitely. than to do the will of God. Definitely. To, uh, yes. to accept that by trust and faith, that it's not just me. This is really God. And that's the great decision point. That's when uh, Moses says, send someone else. I can't speak. Um, Woe is me, said Isaiah. Uh, Jeremiah, you know, I I can't speak. And God took the coal of, had the angel take the coal of fire and so forth. Self-doubt is all part of it. But you come to that point where you recognize, I have this call. Mm Mm-hmm. And you make the decision, I'm going to walk in that. And that at that point, then trust takes over and faith takes Definitely. over. And you move forward in that. And it becomes more assured as years go by. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt. So that's step one. Step two is a great mentor, a pastor. Some minister that God has placed in your life. I know on occasion you hear... Uh, people arguing the you know the best thing you can do is pick three great men and ask them to be your mentors nothing wrong with that but if they're the only mentors in your life and you pick them mm-hmm. unfortunately I've seen young preachers who when those men advise them against what they wanted to do they simply kept asking mentors until they found someone that said what they wanted to hear right so if you choose the mentors, the leaders, the spiritual guidance, if you choose that, if you can hire it and fire it, then you're the spiritual wow. mentor of your life. Mm-hmm. And that's a very dangerous situation. So my advice is, except obviously you have a pastor, we all have pastors, and we usually don't pick our pastor. Maybe your family's been there for years. Um, and we don't shop pastors. 
So pastors are placed in our lives by God, and we should accept that that's God's um, working in our life. I was talking just uh, yesterday uh, with Brother Drost, Stephen Drost, about how when God spoke to Samuel, when Samuel was called, there was an audible voice, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And he was, everybody was in bed, and he hears this voice right. calling his name. And he jumps up and he runs to Eli, who was his pastor, his spiritual mentor, uh, Prophet Eli. He runs to Eli and says, here I am. What, what do you need? Eli said, I didn't call you. Right. Well, this happened three times. So that tells me when God spoke to Samuel, he used the voice of Samuel's mentor, mm-hmm. Eli. When Samuel heard God's voice, it wow. sounded like his pastor. Right. So I think it's important that we submit ourselves to the spiritual guidance and leadership, number one, of our pastor, and that he should be the one who confirms within us what God is doing in mm-hmm. us and that we work closely with him. And that's so very important. And then there'll be other mentors in our lives, particularly as we move on through our ministry. We become a full-time minister, perhaps a pastor ourselves. Although I stayed close to my pastor until he passed many years ago, I've always sought out uh, great uh, people of God, men and women, who could speak into my life. And I think that's vital. Yes, sir. And then the third step, I would say, is very simple. You get busy. Mm. You don't sit and wait for opportunity. You get busy. And if it's nothing more than disciplining yourself in prayer and Bible study, I think every young uh, person who knows they're called to preach should learn to preach. And that doesn't mean you're in the pulpit necessarily. Right. But preaching begins before you ever step in the pulpit. You learn to handle the Word of God. Yes, sir. You follow uh, the styles and, and um, um, techniques of other preachers. You make preaching a focus of your life. Definitely. And uh, teaching and interpersonal relations. You watch how uh, men and women of God relate to saints and to other preachers and their place and how they cooperate and connect and you learn from that you're always Mm -hmm. preparing david learned to sling a stone a long time before he met goliath and so you prepare yourself that's the third step get busy Mm -hmm. and then pulpit opportunities will come if and if you're prepared then they will come rapidly Mm -hmm. because your gift will make a place for you Mm -hmm. so those are the three things become assured of your call Submit yourself to mentorship, your pastor, and commit yourself to preaching, to learn everything you can about preaching God's Word and God's Word. If I were to ask you um, what, all that being said, I feel like that's great advice for almost every aspect of ministry. Um, If we were to broaden it a little bit, not just preaching, would it be something that you add or take away from what you gave us, or is that basically... Well, obviously, in, uh, in both steps, the first two steps are still applicable. Yes, sir. Because God has a will for your life that encompasses career, profession, education. All of these things 
are in God's plan and God's purpose. So seeking God's will about your life and its direction is vital. And then feeling, knowing that what you're pursuing is what God wants for you. So mm -hmm. step one is the same. Step two is obviously the same. You will right. always need spiritual mentors and leaders in your life. And then mm -hmm. for me, step three would be <clears throat> spiritual discipline is vital to every child of God. So prayer, fasting, the Word of God, um, uh, worship, broad-based reading, all of these things have to be uh, built into our lives. They don't come natural. Right. Sometimes I'm told by young preachers, well, I just don't read a lot. It's not my thing. Mm. Well, that's not true. I'm sorry. Whether it's your thing or not doesn't come into the equation. Right. You do it. Yes, sir. Because God gave us a book so that we can know about him. Mm -hmm. So whether we like to read or not is not the question. Right. We do read. And so I would encourage every apostolic young person, of course, have a disciplined approach to studying God's word and knowing God's word. If you have an opportunity for some Bible education locally, uh, regionally, or even nationally, I'd say take advantage of it because God's word is more than preacher material. It's life material. So make that part of it. And also falling in love with preaching. God chose preaching to save them that believe. And so we, church and preaching must always be the center point of our life. God speaks to us through his word in the voice of Eli. Mm -hmm. And so I, I would keep that third one in place without, if you're not going to be a preacher, learning to preach is probably not part of it. Although learning to communicate the gospel is Definitely. a calling for every child Definitely. of God. Mm -hmm. So whether it's in a pulpit, a home Bible study, mm -hmm. uh, a witness on a bus or at school or on the job, learning how to do that effectively would be an important part for every child of God. So not much change in right. the three. It's just right. the nature of the call mm -hmm. that sets what path you follow. Um, I would... You said you evangelized for a while first. Yes. And then you <coughs> preached. Um, quickly before we get to um, one of our, our last questions, I was just wondering, I've always wondered, is there a different approach you take to evangelizing versus preaching? Is there a different approach you take? Yes. For being a home for being a you pastor, mean pastoring. Home? Yes, I'm yeah. sorry for pastor. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yes, pastor. Yeah, of course. Um, an evangelist is an uh, auxiliary to the ministry of the local pastor. He he um, doesn't have a ministry outside of that of that local ministry. He right. is to connect, support, enhance uh, the work of that local pastor. Um, and so being in the pulpit as an evangelist is uh, different from being in the pulpit as the pastor. The pastor right. has to cast vision, set direction, uh, reprove, rebuke. Yeah. You know, right. that's all part of pastoring. It's not part of evangelizing. Right. Evangelists are there for two, two reasons. One, to enhance the ministry of the pastor, to build him up, mm -hmm. to strengthen him, both both privately and in, in the pulpit. Um, many pastors struggle alone. They they have friends and so forth. I don't mean that, but 
another preacher being there is, is right. special for them. And right. so evangelist bears that in mind. Then uh, in the pulpit to enhance that pastor's place, to uh, make uh, make sure that you are in yoke with him, in harmony mm-hmm. with, with him, and encouraging of the saints toward the preaching and toward the pastor, mm-hmm. not to compete and not to outdo, but to compliment. And then the second job, an evangelist, of course, is to pray people through, is to have new people uh, come face-to-face with the gospel mm-hmm. and pr- to cause a response to that preaching. So evangelistic preaching is different than pastoral preaching. There's a lot more emphasis on Acts 2.38, on the infilling of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. on the supernatural manifestation of God's presence because uh, miracles in the Bible were God's way of confirming the word of the apostles. Mm -hmm. And it's the same today, not that miracles don't happen in the everyday life of the church. They certainly should. But an evangelist, uh, part of his job is to create a climate where new people are convinced of the gospel to the point that they respond to the gospel. And part of that is the supernatural presence of God um, in those meetings. Um, In my day, evangelists preached revivals, which were um, special set-aside services. Often we started on Sunday night and didn't take a break until the next Sunday night. So the whole week. So you preached eight times that first week. Then you may take a rest night, maybe mm-hmm. even two rest nights. That was kind of rare back right. in those days. Then you'd start again and go every night through the next Friday, uh, Sunday night. Right. So there was uh, there was a special environment that was created. Mm-hmm. Come to church on Monday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, right. Friday and Saturday, which was unusual. And so it created an anticipation. It was mm-hmm. everyone knew why they were there. Right. was to revive the saints and to pray people through. Right. And so um, that climate was probably a little easier to produce because it was a special deal. Right. Okay, today many evangelists preach on regular services, nights and even days, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so creating that special environment, that anticipation, it would seem to me would be a little more challenging. Right. But I think I've, that evangelists that are uh, functioning today, uh, the ones that I've heard and been with and, and watched their ministries, that's what that's their calling. You can sense it when they right. when they get up to preach. They can create an instant anticipation. Mm-hmm. They preach on faith, and faith rises. And so that's the calling of an evangelist. It. It is to preach the gospel. That's what the Greek word that we get the expression, the word, English word evangelize or evangelist. It comes from that Greek word that means to proclaim the gospel oh, okay. to those who haven't heard it. So that's what evangelizing is about. Has been, was way back in the Stone Age when I evangelized, <laughs> and it still is today. So when you evangelize, you you did quite a few of those uh, Sunday to Sunday? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Almost every wow. revival started that way. And then you you almost always went two weeks. Wow. 
uh, and then it wasn't unusual to go three. And if people were praying through, you might go four, five, six weeks. There were 13 week revivals service every night wow. in those days. Wow. Um, like I said, even taking any rest nights was a little unusual. It, right. You you might be at a church where they'll take Monday night, but mm. there was no assurance of that. Many wow. of them would go eight services and then seven services and then seven services. So you preached every night and twice wow. on Sunday. Wow. That was part of it. And so obviously your burden changed once you became uh, uh, the pastor of a church. Yes. Wow. And... Um, that, that well, is. pastors must do the work of an evangelist. Uh-huh. The Bible teaches that mm-hmm. because you can't have an evangelist there all the time. Right. So pastors have to function in that realm. Mm-hmm. So back in those days, that's what Sunday night was for. You could get people, sinners would come out often on mm-hmm. Sunday night, although Sunday morning you might have uh, different churches, different locations and so on. But the two churches I pastored, Sunday night was more geared toward visitors. Mm-hmm. And those would be evangelistic nights. Right. You'd preach the gospel more. You'd preach on the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. You'd preach on life change, new start, fresh beginning, and um, gear it more toward visitors. Uh, in many churches, that, and our culture as a whole, that's changed. Mm-hmm. So many churches don't have Sunday nights anymore, and so they're focused on that fine line between Sunday being evangelistic right. or encouraging for right. the church. Yeah, I've definitely Most seen that. Most times you have to be both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that definitely. Uh, the last question, um, well, I did want to ask you real quick before we read the last question. Where do you currently reside now? I live in St. Louis. Oh, wow. Cool. I teach at Gateway and uh, Urshan. Urshan College. <laughs> I know I'm still the getting former to Gateway. Too. I, I taught to there too. two years ago. But wow. Yeah, I teach at Urshan. I'm okay. the Christian Ministries Director. Wow. I teach three courses a semester. And Are they um, the master's level or the, the bachelor's level? This is courses? bachelor's level. Okay. Urshan All College, right. yeah. I have a lot of friends that go there. Uh, yeah. A lot of friends. Um, yeah. Yeah, we just there, had so. a great school year. Of course, we've purchased a new campus, and we'll be on the new campus mm-hmm. beginning in the fall. And there's a lot of excitement about. So that. many memories on that old campus. Yes, oh, oh my it goodness! It really is. And they used to have um, junior and teen camp there during the summer. Yeah. Yes, that a lot of great memories. Oh yeah, camp yes, meeting so. was there for a while. Yes. And then mm-hmm. it would be at New Life, and the day mm-hmm. services would be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's at the sanctuary. sanctuary. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Hazelwood. Yep. All right. Uh, the last question we want to ask you, we sort of, I try to ask this to all of our guests. Um, if there is one thing you could say to our generation, um, what would it be? Um, you know, the generation of, I guess, millennials, Gen X, the people who are growing up and, and things like that, who, who are the future of our, of our denomination and of our faith? What, what's the last, what, what, what's the one thing that you would, you would give us? Uh, one thing? I would say I have faith in you. I am more encouraged from what I see in the coming generation. And I know postmodern millennials and so forth sometimes get a bad rap, but I think some of the disconnect between the world's way of seeing things uh, has equipped apostolic millennials to uh, function in this generation with more mm-hmm. effectiveness. I see more commitment to the truth, to the gospel, 
I see young men and women that want to change the world. And while they've been taught in high school and college that you do that through uh, in environmentalism or mm-hmm. social justice or mm-hmm. any number of causes that mm-hmm. have no eternal value mm-hmm. apostolics have taken that that call to change the world and translated it into there's only one way to change the world and that's through the gospel of Jesus Christ yes, through Acts 238 yes sir one soul at a time and mm-hmm. and I'm excited about what's coming and I believe that uh, this generation has been handcrafted by God mm-hmm. to speak to itself and to generations that will follow and I believe great great revival is in store mm-hmm. so my encouragement is master the truth know the bible preach it without fear without compromise preach it with compassion but preach it with faithfulness to its message and you will change the world and you'll do it through the power of jesus christ that's a great message that's, that's a great message. My message wow we appreciate you having uh, coming on and spending some of your time with us uh giving us some of your wisdom we we so appreciate it and uh, we're looking forward to your preaching again tonight thank you thank you for having me here of course great pleasure and i hope you're enjoying your time in socal i really am always enjoy it awesome awesome. it's a little bit like coming home yes exactly (laughs) awesome awesome so thank Thank you you. for coming on all All right. right hey it's mike garcia thanks for listening to the podcast Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, SoCal-Hyphen.